0: We're going to be reading in scripture. Often people say, let us read from the book of Acts. Well, we want to lose the word from and regain the word in because we want to get into the reading, into the book, into hearing God's word. So Claudia is going to read a few verses from Deuteronomy and then we're going to find that it's echoing into the gospels as Jesus repeats the words. Hear, O Israel, hear, renew community. The Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. The word of the Lord. I'm gonna read in Mark's Gospel. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Them was the Sadducees and some other lawyers were debating with Jesus. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, this teacher of the law asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, Jesus said to this teacher of the law, you are not far. From the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Thanks that God was able to share his words with us this morning.
1: Thank you, Claudia and Dennis, for welcoming us into the Word, the Word of God spoken anew to us. Last gathering, Doug shared our vision for Renew in 2018, with the primary focus being that we be a community that is falling more and more in love with Jesus, and that if anything might be clogging our pipes or building up in our pipes, those things would be cleared out so that the love of Christ would flow more fully and more freely into us, more fully and freely through us as a community, and more fully and freely out of us to our neighbors. So as Doug and I chatted about that vision, it seemed logical that the next step would be, let's look at what Jesus commanded us to do. And said, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your strength. And so over the next two months, we'll be digging into this great commandment. Exploring it and seeing what does it mean for us to be people who love God with all of our being. And so that's where we want to start. Start really important as we get started to recognize that we are integrated beings. Now, in the Hebrew thought, there is no splitting of the mind, of the heart, of the soul. These aren't different parts of us that we can pull out and compartmentalize. We don't have a heart, a soul, a mind, and a body. We are a heart, soul, mind, and body. So the passage is highlighting the importance of loving God with all of our being, with our everything. And so even as we take a closer look at some of these different aspects of our being in the coming weeks, it's really important that we remember that the goal is the fullness and the wholeness of our being devoted to God in love. Jesus was a pretty holistic ministry God cares about every aspect of our being and loves us in all of these aspects and calls us to reciprocate that love with every fiber of our being. And in this, we recognize that we're all wired a bit differently. Some of you may be familiar with uh, Gary Chapman's five love languages and the different ways that we communicate love to other people and that we receive love. And he talks about how we tend to gravitate towards specific languages that come naturally to us, whether it's acts of service or words of affirmation. And in some ways, I wonder if the heart, soul, mind, body are some of these different love languages. We recognize that some of us love God much more naturally through our heart and through our emotions. And some of us love God more naturally with our soul, out of our soul, or our mind, or our bodies. But that doesn't mean that we're not called to love God with all aspects of our being. And so I think in that is a great invitation. We have this beautiful gift of community, and this community is made up of people who are wired differently And so while I may love God more naturally out of my mind, I can look around and see people loving God with their heart, and I can say, wow, I want what they got. I want to grow in loving God with my heart. And so I can ask them and say, hey, what's it like for you to pour out love through your heart? We have this beautiful gift of community that can help us grow So as we dig into this passage, I encourage you to reach out to people in your house, church, to people in gathering, and say, hey, what's it like for you to love God with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, or with your body? And this morning, we are going to focus a little bit more specifically on the mind. Because for me, I've realized is that I live much more naturally out of my mind, in my mind, and through my mind. And so for me, it's been the cognition and the understanding of God's love for me in my mind that has meant the most to me. But to be honest, there were a lot of times where I've really struggled. I felt like, I just don't feel God's love for me. I want to love God with my heart. And so that's an area that I'm learning and growing in. But over the last couple years, I've gained such a wonderful appreciation for this great command, because it gives me permission, as well as the challenge to love God with my mind. And I've come to appreciate that loving God with my mind is not a lesser experience of God's love. So it's a permission for those of us who live out of our minds. And it's a challenge for the rest of us. How do we love God with our minds? This isn't just for people who are called to seminary or for theologians or for Bible scholars. We're all called to love God with our minds. How do we strengthen the love language of our minds? To receive God's love and reciprocate it. I think there's a lot of different ways and and hopefully you'll have some great discussion in house churches about ways that you love God with your mind, Uh, but one of the things that I think is most prominent in Scripture about how we receive God's love with our mind is the idea of remembering, or this word remind. Claudia read just a brief section of the Deuteronomy 6 passage, right after this command to love God, are all these exhortations to remember. Remember how God delivered you out of Egypt. Remember, remind yourselves, remind your children, remind your children's children. Tell this story over and over and over again so that you don't forget. That's one of the reasons why we take time as we gather to tell these stories, because we need to remind ourselves. We need to remind ourselves of the Biblical narrative, God's revelation of God's love for us, made paramount in Christ becoming incarnate, pouring out His love for us, being faithful unto death and resurrection. We need to remind ourselves that story. We also need to remind ourselves of our own personal narratives. The times when God has demonstrated God's love and faithfulness to us. In 2013 Jenny and I were living in Chicago. Uh, We had been married for not quite three years but Jenny was finishing up her master's of social work degree and I was feeling like God was calling me to seminary and we both felt like it was time to move out of Chicago. Uh, and so as I was looking at seminaries and was interested in Palmer Theological Seminary and it was in Pennsylvania and Jenny was excited about moving to the East Coast because she's from the East Coast. And so we began to make plans to move to Pennsylvania. And as we were making these plans, we thought, given our financial situation, it's probably best if we both try to find full-time jobs and work for a year, pay off some of the student loans, save some money before I begin seminary. And one morning, in one of the rare occasions in my life where I felt like God was speaking directly and explicitly to me, I heard the Holy Spirit encouraging me, I'm calling you to seminary start this year. And so I shared it with Jenny and made both of us a little nervous. And so we went back and looked at some of our plans and and we chucked it up to God kind of getting our attention about some of our plans. Uh, and so we adjusted our budget and all of these things but we were like well that's God's way of getting our attention to f- kind of fix these things but we're still gonna go ahead Both find full-time jobs and work for a year and save money because it makes good financial sense. It's what's prudent. It's what's wise. But then about two weeks later, the Holy Spirit's voice spoke a little more loudly, a little urgently, and said, Do you trust me? I want you to start seminary. Do you trust me? I will provide for you. And so this time, as I shared it with Jenny, we agreed that we should probably listen and obey. And so we adjusted our plans. I filled out the application in the seminary that week. And we moved out to Pennsylvania. And God did what God does. We knew one person in this area. And to be honest, we weren't actually looking for apartments in this area. But nobody would rent to us because we didn't have jobs yet. But through a friend of a friend, we discovered this perfect little in-law suite. It's just the right space for us, wonderful landlords, and rent that we couldn't fathom. The day after we moved in, Jenny was offered a full-time job in the social work field. A couple weeks later, I received a call from the seminary saying, we'd like to offer you a full scholarship for your first year of seminary. Through the generosity of friends, family, former churches, we were blessed in great financial ways. But even beyond that, I mentioned we only knew one person in this area. Beyond providing financially for us and materially, God provided us with a new community, the Renew Community, where we have experienced renewal and community. I had been thinking about this story a little bit more the last month or so, and I began to think back about when God was speaking to me and started asking, well, why did I need to start seminary that year? And I realized that if I hadn't started seminary that year, we wouldn't be here. We would have been in a different neighborhood. I would not have this tremendous blessing to be called to pastor Renew Community. And I realized that if I hadn't started that year, we would not have been ready to do foster care in 2016. Which means we wouldn't have two amazing boys in our family. God is good. God is good, Renew. God is good if I ever start to doubt God's goodness and the love of Christ in my life, will you tell me this story? Will you remind me? Remind me of God's goodness and love in my life. And I want to ask you, what's that story? What are the stories in your life that you need to be reminded of? When God has so faithfully demonstrated his love for you. I was chatting with a couple of folks from Renew this week in preparation for the teaching, and uh, Dave Balecki shared how the, this discipline called the prayer of examine has been helpful for him in, in loving God and learning to love God, and especially with the mind. The prayer of examine, Some of you may be familiar with it if you've been through any of our discipleship cohorts. Um, it was began something that Ignatius began, a discipline and a training, um, but it's taken lots of different forms. But basically, it's a reflective prayer in which you invite God to take you back over the last day or over the last week and ask God to remind you of ways in which you felt connected to God, or ways in which you experienced God's love. And there's another aspect of that, but I want to just practice that this morning. It might be a little bit weird, but let's go for it. So we're going to just take two minutes of silence and for the first 30 seconds just try and quiet your heart and ask God to meet you in this space this morning is to remind you of the ways in the past week where you might have experienced God's love. So take the first 30 seconds, invite God into this space, enjoy the silence, and then recall your week. Replay it through your mind and be reminded of the ways in which God has loved you. God, I thank you for the ways that you desire to demonstrate your love for us. I pray that you would help us to pay attention and help us to remember. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, I want to just, yeah, let's take another two minutes. If God brought something to your mind, just share that with somebody next to you. I invite you to do that now. Even if it's a little uncomfortable, step into the awkwardness. Share how God might have been demonstrating his love for you this week. This is the part where you get to talk. All right, well, yeah, I certainly want to encourage the conversation and the sharing of these experiences and try to provide more space for that in-house church next week. But thank you for taking the time to share and reflect. So I feel like that reminding is one of the ways that we receive God's love through our minds, through the remembering and being reminded. But how do we communicate our love to God with our minds? I'm not talking about telepathy, uh, though of course God knows our thoughts. But How do we love God with our mind? And again, I think there's lots of different ways, but I'm actually drawn back to the same word, but maybe in a different form. Re-mind. Re-mind. One of the things that Jesus did when he came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God is he said, repent the good news and receive the good news repent. One of the meanings of the word repent is to change your thinking or change your mind. So one of the ways that we love God with our mind is by pursuing the mind of Christ, seeking to align our thinking with that of Christ. What would Jesus think about this? How would Jesus approach this? And it's actually in the context of this Mark 12 passage where Jesus elaborates or explains this great commandment, there's actually all these other Sadducees and Pharisees asking him questions, trying to trap him. And basically every response he gives is, you're thinking about this all wrong. You need to change your thinking. Or in John 9, they approach him and and there's this man born blind and they're saying, hey Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind?" Who sinned? And Jesus' response is basically, you're asking the wrong question. You're thinking about this all wrong. You need to be asking how God's will and God's goodness can be demonstrated through this man. This is the process of discipleship, changing our thinking to align with that of Christ. You know, Peter was pretty close with Jesus. And at one point, Jesus asks him, Who do you say that I am? And, and Peter says, You're the Messiah. Right on, Peter, you got that one right. Then Jesus says, now The Messiah is going to be killed. Peter says, No, no. Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns. You need to change your mind. The Apostle Paul writes about this frequently in his letters. In Romans 12, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Or in Philippians 2, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Or 2 Corinthians 10, we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Or in Ephesians 4, be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Or Romans 8, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Holy Spirit is life and peace. We love God with our minds Continuing to ask the Holy Spirit to renew our minds and to align them with that of Christ. As I was chatting with uh, Gary Sealing this morning, he described an Old Testament image of Jacob wrestling with the angel. And, he, and Gary talked about how this is an image of him and this idea of changing his mind, wrestling with his thoughts but praying and desiring for God to enter into that wrestling match and push him in the right direction, to push him in the mind of Christ. And I thought, what a great example, because Gary is leading this underground seminary on race and racism because he has pursued the mind of Christ regarding this very divisive issue. And in that underground seminary, He's calling all of us to say, how do we pursue the mind of Christ in relation to race and racism? And I think that this is the biggest area in which we need to seek God's reminding. Certainly the area of race is important, but mostly how do we see other people? What do we think about other people? Because Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God and to love people. So we're often tempted to think, when somebody does something we don't like, that person is such a jerk. But if we pursue the mind of Christ, we might realize that person is hurting and broken. Or when people commit heinous acts, and I don't want to condone any of that, be careful about calling them a monster. It's dehumanizing. The reality is that as heinous as what they did might be, they are still a person created in the image of God. I know that's difficult. If we pursue the mind of Christ, it can move us from vengeance and retaliation to compassion. It can move us from self-righteousness To reconciliation. So I wonder who you may need to change your thinking about. And we can pursue the mind of Christ through Scripture, which is why we have this 4440 that I'm really excited about. And we do it in community, in our house churches, in underground seminaries, and we do it through prayer. And I want to actually return to the prayer of examine. Because the second part of that reflection is asking God to bring to mind those instances where we felt distant from God, or those instances of sin, or things that kept you from experiencing God's love, and asking God to enter in that, to confess it to God, receive God's forgiveness in Christ, and then praying for transformation the renewing of your mind by the Holy Spirit. So for the next two minutes, we'll enter into some silence again. I ask that you invite God in to call to mind those instances where you felt far from God, asking God to enter in and show you those places where your mind might need to change. Let's enter into the silence again. God, we confess to you those times we we have not thought with the mind of Christ, where we have acted out of hate, or anger, or our own selfishness. God, we thank you that you forgive us through Christ Jesus and we receive that forgiveness. And pray that you would wrestle with us. Renew our minds through your Holy Spirit. To pursue your good and perfect will for us and for our brothers and sisters. Amen. And so we love God with our mind by remembering God's demonstrations of God's love for us. By being reminded. And we love God with our mind by aligning our thinking with that of Christ. By having the Spirit renew our minds or reminding us. And this is why communion is central to our worship. This is why we gather around this table when we gather for worship. Because Jesus said, do this in remembrance, in remembrance of me. And so we take the bread and we share it with one another and say, this is the body of Christ. Broken because he loves you. Remember. And we take the juice and we say, This is Christ's blood poured out for you because he loves you. Remember that. Do this in remembrance of me. And we gather at this table to be reminded in the ways of Christ, to receive his forgiveness, and to recognize that we are called to mercy and forgiveness, that we are called to love like Christ did, to give ourselves in love to others as he gave himself for us. That is why this table is so important to us, because it reminds us and it reminds us. We're going to do it a little bit different than we usually do. Uh, oftentimes we have somebody come up after a couple songs and explain communion, but I've already done that, so we don't need to do it again. But John's going to come up and lead us in one song. We kind of reflect and enter into our response of worship. And as that first song is playing, if you have kids in the zero to two classroom, ask that you retrieve them during this song and the other kids will be coming back during this song. Um, But as that song ends, our communion servers will come forward and we invite you to come to the table. If you're here to receive grace and mercy from Jesus, We invite you to come, taste and see the goodness of love, of God's love for you. Be reminded and be reminded of his calling for you to go and serve and love others. In Jesus' name, amen.